Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. I'm Simon Evans and very shortly my comedy guests and myself will be going through Friday morning's newspapers to see what treasures they have in store for us. Hello and welcome back to Headliners. Joining me tonight are comedians Scott Capuro and Steve N. Allen. Welcome, gentlemen, to what is an unusually well-attired panel this <laughs> evening. In fact, emergency attired for Scott. <laughs> I wore a T-shirt today that made me look like I'd been kidnapped by two well-dressed men. You, you so. felt you look, I thought you looked as if you'd been brought in for questioning. Yeah. You're helping police with their inquiries, <laughs> but you look much better like that. It's That's your great. jacket, so I should. Thank yeah, you I always that. keep a spare. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, let's have a look at the newspapers and see what they have in store for us. This is Friday mornings, and we start with the Daily Mail, which has Bank of England bombshell. Families set for record squeeze. UK facing recession and various other details about the bad news in store there. Inflation to soar over 10% and hit a 40-year high growth to plunge biggest drop since 1990. The next is the Telegraph, who are leading on very much the same bad news. Bank warns of recession and highest inflation for 40 years. They're trying to offset that with a jolly picture of Boris Johnson and a dog, but I don't think it's going to be enough. Soaring inflation next in the Independent, set to push UK into recession. Gloomy Bank of England predicts 40-year high by October. The Guardian has bank raises interest rates and warns inflation will hit 10%. The government urged to announce more help for struggling households. And Musk on the Financial Times enlists Ellison, Saudi Prince and Binance to back Twitter bid. Surprisingly, out of all the major papers, the Financial Times, not the one, the only one rather not to go with the bad news on the financial front in Britain. The Mirror has Quadruple whammy. Why won't they help? Millions face yet more pain as interest rates rise again. Inflation hits 10%. Energy bills will be £2,800 and 5.4% will be jobless. Yet still PM and Sunak do nothing. The Times has slashed taxes to stave off recession. Sunak urged... And cabinet ministers demand action as Bank of England raises rates to 1%. Hold on to your hats. Recession looms. That's the Daily Express. And there is the Queen there not holding on to her hat. But I suppose of all people, if she is not protected from it, then who would be? Soaring inflation, rising unemployment, higher interest rates will inflict a triple whammy of pain on squeezed Britons. The Metro has the now familiar news that the inflation is the top 10%. And finally, oh, no, that is it. We don't have the Daily Star, so we can't end with an uplift, I'm afraid. (laughs) It's all bad news from top to bottom. Sorry. (laughs) 
So, Stephen, I'm going to charge you with making this fun and entertaining and uplifting <laughs> for the folks. What goes down must come up, I suppose, sooner or later. Yeah. I mean, let's just take the 1% um, interest rate side of it yeah. first, because as soon as you add in the rest of the misery, it really is difficult to try and find a positive in here. But the Bank of England raises interest rates uh, to 1%, but it's very worth bearing in mind, from 0.75%, mm. um, gives us the highest level in 13 years. Very much worth remembering a highest in 13 years during a time when there was barely any interest rate there at all. So yes. it's the highest of an incredibly small uh, graph. It was literally negative in some countries over, around the world at yeah. that time, it's, which is I still can't really get my head around. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's been absurd, the, yeah. the level of interest rates, and we are going to have to wake up to that. It's a shame it arrives in, in quite such a, a gathering storm, though. And it is the timing that's the problem, because, I mean, in some ways, if you want to feel better about the increase from 0.75 to 1%, yes, it will impact those with mortgages. But mortgages, we're all paying 5% anyway. Yeah. So how much of this gets passed on to us, it will be all of it, let's be honest, I've met banks. <laughs> but that will still pale into insignificance when yeah. you look at how much the rest of the bills are going up. Yeah. The energy bills, huge. Yeah. yeah, we're being advised to do things like spend less, spend money on cheaper foods. That then leads into a recession. So we'll be partly to blame. But the other thing that would be almost positive is when you get into the meat of the story, um, there's likely to be a modest recovery expected at the start of next year, which means technically we will be avoiding the definition of a recession. We won't have two quarters of shrinkage. Uh, I mean, we will basically. They call it a, a slow burn recession. But at least we're avoiding the technical recession. We will be poor, but at least we won't technically be able to call it... Can, can you, you feel confident about that, or you're, you're just passing oh, that news on? Just really, yeah. I'm willing to say... So I'm the last third of, of this year is, is the one they anticipate recession. Yep. Um, but the, first, the first quarter of next year, you think it'll pick up again? Well, I mean, again, this is, this is not my yeah. predictions. No. It does I'm, depend a lot on what happens in, in Russia and Ukraine, apart from anything else, doesn't it? And I suppose supply chains and things. Scott, what, have, you have a... A concerned look on your face. I think they're just trying to convince people to not jump out a window. They're saying it's a slow burn, but it's going to be difficult for everyone. I mean, if you have a yeah. mortgage, it's it's increasing a lot. Yeah. And why they're raising the interest rates on mortgages right now, as you say, we're, we're you know, waddling toward a recession. Is, is I would have to say, I mean, it's obviously individual households have, in, uh, you know, when you get down to the fine-grained analysis, everybody has their own unique situation. But I feel more sorry, personally, for anyone who has is rented accommodation but is still expected to cover fuel bills mm. because they aren't even benefiting. The last two years, bizarrely, and if I could understand the mechanism for this, I would be rich, have seen property prices increase quite dramatically, mm. depending on where they are. But they've had a good couple of years, actually, mm. which is just weird. I mean, I understand some people want to leave city and are going to live in the, in, in the countryside and have gardens, uh, you know, uh, lockdown brought home to them, just have important outdoor spaces, a few things like that. But... The, the economy hasn't been strong enough. Normally, when you see property prices going up, it means there's a, there's a burst of enthusiasm and bullishness. It just doesn't help someone like me either. I, I prefer the chaos of London. I don't want to leave. No, so I, I don't want to live in Milton Keynes. I'm uh, not criticising it. I just well, the chaos of London will keep you warm, of course. That's the great thing. Stand outside the French pub on, you know, until three in the morning and you can leave the heating off. And you can all do it by Bluetooth now. Well. You can have it switched. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It is one degree warmer in the central London, isn't it? Just oh, yeah. because of like, the, the lay of the land. Where yeah. the heat gets well, the, the steam rising from the uh, recent filled There's all kinds of pleasant and savoury reasons. Uh, Scott, possible revenge fantasy for those who are causing all of this pain, of course. Oh, right. The, uh, the, 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 uh, the possible windfall tax. Oh, that. The, uh, yeah, the windfall the, yeah. tax. Uh, that, I didn't really know what a windfall tax was until I, I moved here, but that's, I suppose because 
Tony Blair kind of created it in 1997. Yeah, I remember hearing the term first used, but it may have been earlier than that, earlier than that when uh, the building societies wanted to turn into banks. Mm. And, um, and anyone who had an account with the building society suddenly got a, a windfall. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, I and see. other yeah, people, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's just meant to um, not penalize, actually, but just for, and not even, it's not meant to be a fine either, no. but it's meant to be an amount of money that's uh, taxed to a company or corporation who's made a large income. Uh, not of their own doing. Yes. Where it's just sort of happened. Yeah. And um, I think the public likes the idea of it toward the fuel mm. companies. But Sunak and Boris have just said they've both, they both they don't want to go near it. They, they, they would rather the fuel companies who are doing quite well right now, obviously, mm. whose profits have doubled over the first three-month period from last year. Yeah. And especially from 2020 when they're having a lot time to for the pandemic, they want that money to be invested. Now, we're told by oil companies that that's their intention. There's an amount they've mentioned that they're going to invest, BP and Shell, mm-hmm. oil, but we have no proof of that. No. So so we just have to. It's a handshake deal. We have to trust them. Yeah. We have to trust Shell yeah. and BP. I mean, I like the idea of them returning money to stockholders. That's fair enough. If you own stock in a company, you expect a large payback. And, and as you say, things see. come and go. They've had a rough couple of years. Like everybody, well, not everybody else has, but um, I would imagine they're people, saying people, people the didn't thrive. And they're also looking at the possibility that people work from home. And also cutting off the connection with, with Russian oil. So those profits, whatever yeah. they've made in the first three months, may be balanced out by the money they'll lose on that. What do you think, Steve? I think his profits are so big that to actually balance them out with losses past and future would be huge. I mean, yeah. and also a lot of these companies are so big that we wouldn't allow them to fail. So if right. they have a bad time, we'd have to pay for it. So if they have a really good time, what's wrong with a little bit of kickback? Because as you say, it's not like they've worked nine times as hard to no. earn these extra profits. Mm. They've benefited from an unfortunate situation and we can easily go for the emotional side of it. You imagine that granny who suddenly... Well, the interview with Boris Johnson, mm. hearing about uh, heating... That was down. Susanna Reid, it wasn't a granny. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's still, you know, personal she's, situation. Uh, <laughs> was it £17 uh, up to 80-something was what yeah. that pensioner was paying? Well, that is someone Horrific. contributing towards those £7.3 billion profit. Let's have a little bit of kickback for the granny. I think, I, think, I mean, it could be arranged in such a way that it would be great PR for the government, great PR for the oil companies, and in reality, of course, it would probably not affect anybody else. Yeah, no, you know no. what I mean? It's, there would be a way of presenting this kind of thing. I think the government... They're, they're worried that the oil companies will not then reinvest in, you know, renewable sources yeah, yeah. or, you know, reconstructing sites. I, you know, to me, I think it, it only benefits the oil company, like you say, to do both. Yeah. Reinvest and give money back to people. I think in it. Sort of well, terrifying. I think something has, has probably got to be done at some point to give the impression that the government aren't simply shrugging. So we'll see what happens. Sticking with economics, the NFT market is crumbling. Scott, I wonder whether our viewers know what NFTs are. I, you know, I didn't know until I read this story. Um, uh, they're, they're, <laughs> I, be, I follow them very closely. On oh, Facebook. right. They're non-fungible tokens. They are. They're sort of like the, the Bitcoin of the art world. They are, yeah. And, yes. and apparently Elon Musk has said he has no interest in them. And so the market collapsed, plummeted 92%. And the decline in interest is being blamed on him, although he's just a guy yeah. that happens to own Twitter. Well, he also uh, destroyed Bitcoin a while ago okay. and also took Doge to the moon as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's extraordinary how much everyone listens to it. I think people are really worried that he's going to use his platform now to manipulate the economy. But it is extraordinary, the NFTs, just to remain focused on this for a moment. They, the, the proposition is just absolutely it's nonsensical. Mm. You know, They are seen as an artwork. And you don't even own it in any meaningful sense. You're sort of on a ledger. You're looking at it. Yeah. That's and, you and are. People, and they have people called right, I think they're called left clickers, which is essentially when it's online, yeah. you left click, you've copied, copied the image. We've yes. all done that, right? Like a screenshot. 
you now have exactly the same <laughs> thing. You have all the same atoms as the person who... Oh, it's like chemistry, nothing. it's all and, in your mind. Yeah, yeah, it's just an extraordinary con. Yeah. But, I mean, this has been coming for... I mean, there's a guy called John Berger. I don't know if you remember him. He was a sort of Marxist art critic. He made a series of programmes that were kind of a response to Kenneth Clark's civilization in the early 70s called Ways of Seeing. Very interesting. They're on YouTube still. Four-part series, and he starts with the, with what does art mean in the in the era of mass, you know, replication of of, of perfect mm. reproduction. He starts by cutting up what looks like it's a Michelangelo or a, a Leonardo or something, and mm. just register the shock at that point. This this has been going on for some time. This kind of a you know Warhol. Yeah, there's been commentary it. on it, but yeah, it feels like it's reached its apotheosis now. But this is not the solution to it, though, is it? I mean, no. this is basically just all agreeing. Let's all say that Tony owns it. Yeah. That's all it is. An agreement <laughs> of it's not actually true. And it's, so it's, I don't even view it as a bubble that's burst. This ninety-two percent drop since September because yeah. it was never a thing. It was basically an, a phrase online that trended. Some yeah. people thought, oh, I'm going to get in on this. Yeah. And I think the reason that I mean, online trends burst when they're no longer cool, and last month the Royal Mint said it was creator an NFT backed by the UK government. Not cool. Boom. As soon as, <laughs> soon as the UK government's going, oh, I that, think you get yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's the way down. to burst bubbles, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the value of anything is determined by what we agree the value is. I mean, when you're going to sell well, a house or buy Mark it... Mark would really... disagree with you there, Scott, <laughs> but yes, no, I tend to. But, and the value of a house, your house, my house, is, is really what people say they'll pay. That's all it yeah. is. So it's all, yeah. all, it's it's a communication. Well, well, you can impose it, of course. You can impose it by 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 fear, but it's it, it it's it was briefly offered opportunities to people, and there were some online artists I was following on Twitter. There was even a, a writer wrote short stories, and rather than get a regular publishing deal, he sold a hundred copies of his collection of short stories as NFTs. You got a hard copy as well, and he made like over a hundred grand in a single auction. It was a bit of a cult, you know. And it's just, and that's all just. It's better to have fewer than more, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of wish I'd got in over the course of that weekend, but it's over now. (laughs) Stephen, this is an unusual story. National-scale variation on computer says no. Yes, Rishi Sunak, good news is that apparently he wanted to help more with the benefits rise, but couldn't do because of an ageing IT system, which does seem like a very (laughs) useful excuse. Oh, you know, sadly couldn't do it. Um, But apparently he wanted to increase uh, the amount, but was told that because of the the IT system, which needs to be used for both universal credit and the legacy ones, you can only update it once a year and right now wasn't the time he would be allowed to it's bizarre that they haven't managed to update i can't turn on windows without sitting through half an hour of updates and somehow their it system was 40 years old that's, their it that system can, that's can... not that didn't even exist no, i remember yeah. 40 years ago it's a zx spectrum yeah <laughs> it's the only way it's written in basic i remember in in 1987 so that's only 35 years ago right i got a job is that right that's that i'm yes, that right I, yeah. Oh, yeah i was uh, I worked in a in a, in a, a business publishing company, and I, w- I was setting up a new division that was re- renting out their their subscription database. The information about the subscribers, you could send them direct mail, and I'd have to ask for uh, envelopes or, or labels to be printed with the addresses from a mainframe computer server that was like an independent company that we used. This was a big publishing company in <laughs> in, in the centre of London. But it was impossible for them to control, I don't know, 100,000, you know, the, the computers were not capable. I said to them at one point, could we not just have this on my own lap desktop computer? Do we ridiculous? You would need something in the region of four megabytes. <laughs> I read this story about Rishi and I thought, oh, he can't do it for a while. He's got to wait with his own software. Can't he get his, can't use a different email address or something if, if it's that... 
old as hell. Can he just say, oh, I'm somebody else. It yeah. is my turn to do I, It just yeah. sounded so arcane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I do like, in the article, it says the treasurer was contacted for comment. Yeah, probably on a CompuServe email. <laughs> <laughs> A hotmail. It's, it's embarrassing. I, I kind of feel that that is more than likely. I wonder if it is a deliberate attempt to just stymie things. You know what I mean? There's what they call yes. the blob, isn't it? The civil service who just have this kind of... We're trying, they, but we they can't. Just, mm. they just, you just get trapped in it. You f- yeah, yeah. find you're wading in treacle. There's always some reason why it can't happen. It, it just sounds like a terrible excuse by yeah. something that should be a bit more evolved. I think so, too. Scott Partygate now is distracting Boris Johnson... Uh, from getting on with the important business of making cosmetic changes to his cabinet. I think. <laughs> is that right? He said he can't make those changes until the Partygate thing is settled because he can't afford to take people out to lunch and invite them into his cabinet because he's being fined. So he's got to wait until he's paid all his little fines at 50 pounds yeah. pop, and then he can take people to you know, Starbucks and say, will you be in my cabinet, please? This is exactly the kind of excuse my wife uses. Exactly. <laughs> it's a, it, love it, to take you out for dinner. But they use it because, well, it works. That's why they yeah. use it. And um, it's all kind of on the back of George Eustace telling people to order, when they go to buy food at Tesco, order the Tesco brand. It's the cheapest. And yeah. And you'll survive. Yeah. I think the two, the two stories are kind of blending because <laughs> the whole thing, it's just the, the, the amount of scandal being thrown over to Boris Johnson that he can't deal with along with the economy that's kind of failing, people are wondering what this election that's happening today, what's going to happen. Yeah, but on the other hand, of course, and this is a sort of connected story, uh, Sadiq Khan, et tu, well, then full Starmer. Yes, say that, but this is um, another round of my favourite game, the Daily Mail game. <laughs> we find that the headline is totally not what the article says. OK. So headline, Sadiq Khan um, says equivalence between Keir Starmer's beer gate gathering and Boris Johnson's cabinet room birthday, mm. suggesting that this uh, equivalence has been identified by Sadiq Khan. Acknowledged. Let's get into yeah. the uh, quote. Yeah. So he said, if there was one occasion where an incident happened in Downing Street, I think it's a fair point. The but part of it is the, we now know there were many occasions. Yeah. An if and a but means that the bit in between it is not what he's saying. He's <laughs> Every, everything before the but. Is, yeah. uh, the, the, I, I watched the interview and it, it, was, it was disappointing after the trial. This wasn't the Daily Mail, this was the, the BBC or something trailing it. He, basically he was pressed, is it not the same? Is it not the same? And he was going, well, it's not the same because Boris Johnson did it again and again mm-hmm. and he did it once. But eventually he did say, I see your point, you know. Yeah. There, is, there is a prima facie case to answer. I think what he said basically was, I'd like to be Prime Minister. Isn't that what he said? Sadiq. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I yeah. don't think he has any chance of that at all. Do you, do, do you think he's playing that around a little bit? Ten Just, years ago, I didn't think Boris Johnson had any chance, but here we are. No, that's true. That's true. That's a depressing thought. <laughs> I think the, um, I think the, the, the thing with Beergate, uh, you know, as a follow-on from Partygate, is it has not actually wounded Starmer particularly, but I do think it has finally exhausted everyone's patience with this as a topic, and that is probably a, a win for the Tories. Right? I think it benefits you know Starmer I mean? in a way, because yeah. you, you think, oh, people want to have a beer with him? He seems so characterless. You think he might yeah. even have got off with Angela? Do you think that? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I think people are like, Can, I'm glad he drinks. Maybe yeah, a little yeah. bit more. No, so I know what you charming, mean. You know? I'm mainly associated with him being kicked out of that pub, was it in Devon or something? The bloke wouldn't even let him in. He's rather hapless when it comes to these things. Isn't it? That's always been the choice, though, between... That. It's very much like the expenses scandal, you know, with the, the Tories and Labour. You had the Tory, like, expenses scandal with some bloke who had spent public funds on a duck house for, for, his cent- for one of his smaller ponds. Mm. And the Labour guys had usually spent it on a dormer window for the attic room so that they could rent it out to some students. And just go, These are your options in this country, basically. Kind of slightly heartbreakingly 
you know, hanging on by the skin of their teeth or just absurdly insulated from everything. <laughs> Boris at least knows how to have a decent party, even yeah. if he's ambushed by Kate. And if, of the two, uh, even though I vote Labour, I would yeah. rather have a drink with Boris Johnson. Yeah. Or do that is the one thing mind. that the, the Labour Party under Blair, I mean, people always talk about the quangos and the, and the you know, reframing the British Constitution. Yeah. But they also did look at, there were several of them I could have had a beer with in that, in that yeah, cabinet. Yeah, yeah. You could definitely have had a beer with Prescott. I mean, that would have been a laugh, wouldn't it? <laughs> you would, that would have been a big night but as if com- you went out with as Prescott. As we perform in front of all these people at benefits and stuff, and I've done benefits in front of Labour Party members, and it's very quiet. I, I'm sure it's not my fault. <laughs> you sit next to Prescott, though, you don't get uh, covered by beer when Chumbawamba turn Chumba up. Wamba. I seem to remember that. He, he outlasted them. That's the end of part one. Coming up after the break, we have England football anthems, underfunded universities and a rallying cry from the NHS. Don't go away. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Simon Evans. It is me, without the beard. I assure you, it's the same man underneath. Tonight, I have two trusty comedians, Scott Capurro and Steve N. Allen. And we are suited and booted and ready to go. Scott, Boris Becker could soon be hearing a familiar cry of, Out! <laughs> in The Guardian, apparently, Becker, it says Becker is going to, to jail. And I think the theme was really when the mighty fall... Mm. they break their ankle and lose the match because he is one of the greatest tennis players of all time, but obviously one of the worst uh, financial uh, decision makers as well. He, he claimed bankruptcy when hiding millions of pounds worth of assets. Uh, in 2017, he was caught, sentenced, and he's about to serve half his term, which is going to be about about a year and a half he'll serve. Which is the standard. That's what we should emphasize yeah. that it's not some sort of celebrity get no, out of jail free yeah, cup. But now he's looking likely to face deportation. This is the uh, yeah, next twist. And that's based on the UK Borders Act of 2007, which is also uh, updated on the 31st of December 2020, yeah. which means if you, he, he doesn't have British citizenship, he never claimed it. No. He he's, uh, has permanent residency, but without British citizenship, they can, they can boot him for So he could actually make a, another... Uh, record. I feel uh, terrible. After yeah, being yeah. the youngest oh. ever winner at Wimbledon, he could be the first ever to be deported under new post-Brexit legislation. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. I mean, I'm a huge fan of following for a decade, for, for, for a long time. When yeah. I was a kid, I was really inspired by him. I remember. I was at university when he won, and we were cleaning windows and just couldn't believe it. It was like he was younger than us, you know, yeah. as a student. And Six it was, Grand it was Slam Olympic. titles when he yeah. was 17 years old. You know, a bit of a prodigy. And I think maybe he did too well too young. He didn't have a chance to mature. He's obviously yeah. got people around him telling him to do this. He's not a financial advisor himself. He's made a huge error. Yeah. And he's, he's Well, he makes, he's made a series of huge errors, number yes. one of which, of course, was getting that woman pregnant in yes. a broom cupboard in a restaurant, Well, he didn't it? mean while to. His, while his wife had just given birth, I think, yes, or something. But I, mean, they, they I know were... things cascade from that sort of point. But, you know. <laughs> that was a, a weird uh, yeah. creative experiment of hers that sort of worked. That shocked the, the nation, I think, and the yeah, world. How, think but anyway, right. if yeah. what happened is... What they tell us. Uh, he's appealing on a human rights ground or asking for compassion. He's appealing the decision. He'd like to not go to prison. I feel compassion for him, I have to say, but I think if, you know... He gives so much entertainment to people. I, uh, you know, I, uh, it's tricky. What would you say, Stephen? Well, I mean, for, he's not a threat to anyone, so you take that argument for going to, to jail. He's still pretty handy at maybe. the net. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but almost, that would be, it'd be worth more to us as a nation to force him to teach tennis to underprivileged Absolutely, kids or something like yes. that. Yeah. At least we'd get something out of it, because I yes. don't think we have to worry about him doing this again. 
He could even go school to school teaching kids about tennis and about making good, sound financial and family planning decisions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the one. He's They'd got have to a keep him sober, share. though, for a long period of time. Right? Uh, Stephen, another day, another American comedian is facing murderous attacks on stage. This is oh. becoming somewhat repetitive again. Yes, well, this is just part two of the Dave Chappelle story, where this mm. is now saying that comedians have been speaking out about it. Of course we have. Everyone yeah. wants to get in the papers. But Yacking about it. Let's be honest. We're not in the same league. I mean, I... I could sit here and talk about, oh, I'm really worried that someone's going to... No, I don't have the profile where anyone cares about what I say on stage. No. So the odds of someone rushing me are certainly nowhere near this kind of thing. Um, it's interesting, though. Part of the story talks about the footage of it. And it says that while attendees were meant to be prohibited from filming, footage of this attack occurred. Mm. I also want to see the person filming arrested. That is a bigger worry for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People filming it, that's bang the out. material doesn't just fall off trees. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. Take a punch on the gob. That's if you watch the video, Chappelle moves pretty quickly out of the guy's way. He wasn't Is hurt it? at all. The guy had a, a fake gun, but a knife on him as well. Did you see the footage of him I, afterwards? Yeah, yeah. His arm was on backwards. Yeah. It was absolutely horrific. I don't know what they'd done. He beat it's the heck out like of him. A, yeah, yeah, you could see him in the back of the stage. You watch footage. The, he has like nine security guards rush him. And Chappelle was surrounded by security and still it wasn't enough. I no. mean, it, it does make us... You know, it's scary enough. You know, he has a vape he uses on stage, doesn't he? I think he should probably have, like, an emergency vaping (laughs) mode where he can just create an enormous cloud of smoke and disappear. The (laughs) thing is, this is how I met my husband, right? He saw my act and and came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I'm surprised someone hasn't broken your nose. That's what he said to me. Wow. Yeah. That is a hell of a chat-up line. Yeah, it worked on me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want comedy to become, like, a full-contact sport, though. Yeah. And if it does, fair's fair, we should make MMA fighters after write a type five about... (laughs) (laughs) It's not totally come out of it. Jim Jeffries achieved his first step on the road to fame. Manchester comedy show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry Savitz and uh, Chris Rock, kind of. It's a different story, really. So I don't think I... Yeah, I I know people are throwing this at at Smith, but I don't think this is Will Smith's story. I think this is an entirely different thing. This is about people who are angry with Chappelle because he is... is, he has spoken several taboos, isn't he, about, you know, in, in modern America. And this is about people being locked up in their house for two years. Yeah, The yeah. first show out, oh, look what I'm going to do. But it's very often the case in exactly the same way. Well, exactly, I'll say exactly the same way. When David Amos was murdered, the MP, everyone immediately ran to their own hobby horse and went, oh, we need to stop social media. It's like it, it's enabling and emboldening. It had nothing to do with social media. Do you know what I mean? It's always, you always assume that whatever it is you've been concerned about is what's provoked this guy. He'll yeah. probably turn out to be... Mentally unstable from a long age, has Dave Chappelle posted all over his wallpaper yeah, yeah. for the last 15 years. People you know, with little he, crosses on the eyes. They pretend, oh, Americans aren't violent. This is the first time this has ever happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be this new strange thing that's come. Okay, Scott, a story close to your heart, I imagine, on football's unofficial national anthem. I had to read the story three times. I still don't really understand it. Um, apparently, the, the tune Three Lions has caused some controversy. FA chiefs are denying claims that they want to axe the anthem as England's official World Cup song or appears it offends other nations. I don't know the song Three Lines, but I do know Bedell and, Skin- and Skinner's song, Football's Coming Home, yeah. and they're thinking of using that song for the World Cup That's instead. the song. That's the same song. Oh, it's the same song. Yeah, yeah. Well, why- it's coming home. Yeah, but why, yeah. why would that offend... Three lines on the show. Why would that offend people from another country who are... Why would it offend them? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that. That's singing. Short I <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, I, yeah, the, the song belongs to fans, they say, and we're going to leave it that way, but they're, yeah. they're thinking that people... There's nothing offensive in there. It's a nice... It's a quite is this just a story to promote the World Cup? Is that what this is about? Might I don't know. Be, as if yeah. all those deaths to build that stadium is Enough, really. <laughs> Big head on anything on this one, Stephen? <laughs> well, I'm not into football either, so I also no. don't care, you know, yeah. get rid of a song. It does sound like that. It's always that thing. Oh, we're gonna, oh no, we're not going to ban it. Well, we might ban it, but we're not going to yeah. ban if it. They, like, oh, if they play Hello, Dolly, I might watch. 
That's a song I'd watch. If- Would you black up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have I got the wrong one? I don't know which yeah. doll, doll, doll you're thinking of. Oh, God. Well, but you went there, so I don't see why they didn't. Anyway, no, I'm getting into deep water now. Stephen, this next story will elicit sympathy from no one not directly implicated, I would imagine. Uh, doctors being expected to carry on working for an extra couple of years. But it is our fault as a nation for not having enough doctors. Yes. And part of the story blames this on um, the problem of catching up with COVID backlog. Uh, let's not pretend as if this wasn't coming down the track yeah, anyway. Yeah. The problem with doctors is that they retire. Mm. So you're going to have to replace them. Mm. And it seems like that's not a difficult thing to get your head around. However, uh, 12,000 doctors over the age of uh, 65 due to retire this year, that is going to make things worse. We're now, already... when you say doctors, are we talking GPs or hospital consultants? Well, just um, doctors, so qualified doctors. Although the GPs are the ones that they want to keep working from home, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, you can't be a surgeon working from home, can you? <laughs> you don't want all these ill people turning up around your garage. But um, <laughs> the idea is that you could still get people working part-time, GPs working yeah. part-time, via the internet. And do you know what? As much as it's normal to sit here and moan about, we can't see a doctor these days, during the pandemic, I um, had a lump in my mouth, got it seen by a doctor, got it removed. That wasn't done via Skype. Was peanut butter. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. I just didn't chew properly. No, it was, a, it was just a lump of my face. Okay. I tested it and it wasn't, you know. Yeah, I'm worried about you now. No, no, ugly lump. Yeah, just yeah. an ugliness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah an inconvenience. I could do adult male circumcisions out of my house. The thing is, we all like older doctors, so I think that's just hanging around for a while. Right? <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, he was exactly. well into his I was just 80s, thinking about him, him or, or maybe an older guy with a cowboy hat. I've seen him. And we could pay them TV uh, TV show. To be honest, most of them do just consult Google when you go in there now yeah. anyway, so they can do that from home or remotely. Also, I would quite happily get, is it called Da Vinci, the prostate probe? The, uh, you know, the little mechanical arm that, that does all the business? Yeah. I mean, that, you could have one of those, you know, adapted microphones. I have three, your own actually, Zoom actually, station. and they do play music. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel sorry for Da Vinci, though? Because the other things his name seems to be on are the toilet roll holders in motorway services, yes. and now something that gets crammed up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe what it's named after, um, no, I'm sorry, I was going the wrong way with that. It is Da Vinci, not two Leonardos, but only one Da Vinci, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. At least he keeps him relevant. I wouldn't mind a, a, <laughs> some sort of machine names for me. It is interesting, you know, most of his, because uh, famously about Da Vinci, we think of him as an artist, obviously, and an uh, anatomist and industry curious. 80% of his revenue, most of his, his attention was built on building machines, engines of war, hmm. siege machines and, and developing means for defending cities and so on. I think he would have been quite happy with a tank or, or a, a you know, a bridge or a particular... Yeah, yeah. The name of a prostate investigator, McKellen Robot Arm, it's almost well. deliberately <laughs> insulting, isn't it? Oh, do you know what? That, you remind me of Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci. <laughs> well, it, it, it invades you. I mean, it's, it's something of a war He's curious about your weapon. anatomy. Yeah. Scott, <laughs> universities are struggling to make ends meet. I have yeah. a solution, but um, let's hear the rest of the story. Well, first. they say that it costs more to educate a student than they're getting paid to educate a student. So apparently that cost is going to go up. They're, they're saying that universities, are near, uh, the fees, about 2,000 uh, intuition fees that they're losing per student, and it's going to go up to about four grand. So they're wondering if they should raise the price or if there should be some sort of subsidy from government. Have they been, they've been the same price since this was a, this was a since, Blair initiative, yeah, wasn't it? So it's at well, least 12 years old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's been, it's it was been, a two-step thing, wasn't it? When, right. yes. when it was brought in, it was really cheap. It was. It was nine grand. And they all went up, because that was the thing. 9, they got, so expensive courses, like civil engineering, that you can earn good yeah. money, once you yes. go to, that will be nine grand. And then a less, less worthwhile course. Like, like the one my husband took. Yeah, whatever, international yeah. relations, where you were yeah. nothing costs yeah. the same. I know he had... Yeah, everything is nine grand. It's all the same. So we had that same conversation as well. But yes, apparently... The universities are struggling, and they're worried. Like a University of Sheffield said that their Science and Engineering Foundation 
uh, is one of the largest in the country of 200 students, and it says that they can't afford to run it the way it's being yeah. funded now. I mean, I, I'm torn a little bit on this personally. I don't know what you think, Steve. On the one hand, obviously, you've got to try and make the things balance in the long run. And it does feel like they haven't gone up in, in a number of years. On the other hand, it's not good value for a lot of kids, is it? They're taking out larger and larger loans. And, and they're going out into the world with 50 grand in debt. Life. And they don't yeah. find the jobs at the other end of it that a degree used to The debt suggest. won't be paid by the time they retire. That's, yeah. that's a really terrible thing. And yeah. it's definitely true that my family wouldn't have let me go to university. It was already controversial. We weren't the type of people who went to university. Mm. The fact that I wanted to be all fancy and go and study yeah. was frowned upon by members of my family. So if, if there was a cost associated with it, yeah, I wouldn't... Yeah. And then we would have lost one chemist who doesn't do chemistry. So I see I I'm not the remember, best example. Well, I mean, I'm the same. I studied law. And I think it kind of plays into the sort of thing I do now, but no, it certainly no, wasn't a no, professional. It it certainly, the, the, gov- you know, the government... And I was fully funded. We were quite poor. I know it sounds absurd, but, yeah, I got a full grant. But um, I can't remember who it was who was talking about this, but they said that it is a class issue to an extent and has been historically that the middle classes are, apart from anything else, comfortable with the idea of debt, of investing in your future, taking on a debt. They will encourage their children to take a, a vocational degree rather than just an indulgent one. With the working class, don't like the idea of getting... I don't know. I mean, that mm. might just be a massive generalised... It may, may even... Some people say it's the other way around entirely now. And uh, Reagan know. threw money at me to study acting, and yeah. um, here we are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, at least it was an appropriate <laughs> and age-appropriate. That's the end of part two. Anyway, coming up in part three, we have... Vlad, we have the Queen, we have a crazy crocodile. (laughs) It's uh, quite a chimera. Stay tuned, see you in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Simon Evans, keeping me company until midnight tonight. Comedian Scott Capurro and Steve N. Allen. So, Stephen, a posh school claiming socialist principles turns out to be a hotbed of nastiness and scandal. I am shocked. <laughs> this is Holland Park School in West London, and it's got some big names who've sent their kids there. Big, big names in the world of uh, politics. But, so, we've got um, accusations of peer-on-peer sexual abuse, according to a highly critical report. And this is, is again, to put it in context... Repeatedly, uh, Ofcom were saying relatively good things about this. Were rated mm. outstanding by Ofcom. Then there was uh, a time when they were told to uh, improve. But still, the fact that these things are happening—it's really worrying. Give us the big names. Don't tease us. Who okay, is there? give you the the big names. Tony big... Benn sent his children there. Uh, um, Roy oh, Jenkins, John Burko, uh, oh, oh, Zahari. Oh, I'd say no more. Michael Gove. Michael Gove. Michael Gove. Michael Gove. Michael Gove last. Went there. I think. No, he's yeah. Uh, the, no, son. the son of Michael. The Gove. son of yeah. Michael Gove. Okay, right. Son of Michael. The son of Michael Gove. The there has been, is, I wouldn't call it an epidemic, but there's been a, there's been a few isolated examples of very uh, prestigious private schools with something really quite rotten just below the surface. Yeah. Highgate School in uh, in North London recently was it's on uh, YouTube. Yeah, it was I mean, awful, it's all over you know. the internet. Yeah. yeah, it has been for quite some time. The and kids are, the kids are starting to share it and blow the whistles a little yeah, bit yeah, on yeah. this stuff. The kids are restless. Yeah, they want to be protected. They just make you think. Safe. What's the point of Ofcom though? If it can't spot this when it's meant to be doing. Yeah, that's a good point. I suppose I suppose most Ofsted, of course, oh, yeah. Ofcom are the ones who I are listening to I don't want to rewatch that. Right that's it, that's <laughs> the Not again. Well done, Steve. Well done. <laughs> so my, my guest tonight was Scott Capullo. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they, they focus on educational outcomes and, and how those are achieved, but, well, I don't know. If that, I don't know quite what their remit is. It no, should I'd, look at that, shouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. I'd, I'd want to Passport not just care. have the one metric of how yeah. are the grades. Sitting down with like your wife. Safe. Well, darling, I, I quite like 
I mean, there's some good A-levels. Yes, there has been the occasional rape, but, you know, we have to take it in the hole. I think also the kids weren't complaining until more recently. So maybe Ofsted wasn't hearing anything from children and from staff as well until it became something that people were willing to talk about. And I think the hashtag MeToo movement helped a bit. I think you're right. I mean, it's true. And it has been, there have been some tiresome sort of uh, after effects of, of, of Me Too, but it has also, it's created a, a, a culture in which people are willing to come. Well, they're not just willing to come forward, they, they absolutely feel entitled to, don't they? They might get a book know. deal out of it, but I think yeah. in, the, in the meantime, it's making people listen a little bit more because yeah. they feel like they have to. Well, I hope, I would, it's hard to know what, how to frame it. Well, in a way, I hope that's the last we hear of it, but I hope if there are any more, there are any kids staying up and watching this show tonight, then you know it is now the time to speak. Scott, traditional displays... Of Moscow's military might. Uh, well. This was quite a nostalgic thing for mm. me until re- it's all taken on a rather unpleasant Horrible new relevance. Thing, yeah. yeah. Well, we all know that on May 9th, Moscow celebrates the surrender of the Nazi uh, Germany peeps in 1945. That's their big parade. They do it at several different cities and towns throughout Russia and, and in the Ukraine as well. And Mari- Mariupol was one of the towns that they used to hold this parade in, mm. which it won't happen this year, obviously. Oh. And um, uh, people are wondering what Putin's going to do, if he'll use the event to make a major announcement, escalating the ongoing conflict. And that's probably the most likely outcome. Putin has never backpedaled. He's never backed down. He doesn't know the word no or its meaning. So I think what he's going to do is use the event to show off some new war Material that he intends to use. One of those. You mean in, in, a, in a parade, or yes, you mean actually, in a parade right, format? Okay. But I think he's and he's he's looking weak and fragile. Mm. Apparently, he's looking bloated. Although he has for quite a long time, and that's we have uh, that in a minute. That story, but, but yeah. I, I think people are concerned what he's going to show off, what he's got, and I think he's going to show off some of his ballistic missiles that he can take a city out with, and that's what he's threatened to use. Mm. And I think he's intending on using them in that part of the Ukraine that he's trying to. Yeah, capture permanently. Well, he certainly hasn't had a good war so far, has he? You know, but hasn't the... he? I think he's done quite well, actually. Oh, I think if you put yourself in his shoes, and it's difficult to do, but I think if you look at where Putin's coming from, he has oiled Europe and a lot of the world for quite a long time mm. at a reduced rate, watching the GDP in Europe grow while that Russia fails, yeah. while his own people starve to death, and then the EU turns around and says, basically, you're an idiot by supporting the Ukraine's new. Uh, government papers where they claim they want to join NATO in 2019. They yeah. put that in the Constitution, the basic laws. So Putin feels like they're asking him for a war, and he's giving it to them. He's giving them what they want. But the war has not necessarily helped him in terms of it's making other countries think, oh, this NATO lark's not such a bad idea, and now we've got plans across Europe to no longer use any Russian fuel. So then in the long run, that's not going to be earning him some of that sweet He ruble. can sell the fuel elsewhere. It'll, he'll sell it for less to China because they know that. He'll make less money. But in the long run, I think he thinks he's going to benefit because mm. he knows that those countries, Finland, Sweden, they're not going to join NATO, that this is a panic, and in the end, they know better and they won't. And then... He'll have the ability to strong arm whoever he wants. I mean, yes. I mean, there's there's a lot of different dimensions to it. I suppose I was thinking purely in terms of how effective his military has appeared to be. They have they have not been that impressive. They've not. But then you never quite know, of course, what what the what's going on the ground. What, yeah, and what the it's intention is, and whether it's a, whether there's a degree of bluff or whether they're. I think headlines were the intention, and I think he's got them. And I think now when Europe um, goes back to him and says, actually, you know that oil we said we didn't want? We want it now. He'll say it's twice the price. 
Steve, there is another dimension to the story, though, which I think you've got, which is about this speculation, I suppose we should say. But um... Yeah, it's about his strongman narrative, apparently not looking so good because there are rumours about his health. Uh, this cultivated strongman narrative, the nipples out, the wrestling bears, all of that lark, mm. doesn't look so good in comparison to this video footage showing the president shaky, fidgeting and looking puffy and bloated. I mean, to be fair, though, I mean, I think it's puffy rather than puffy. Oh, I'm, no- I'm northern. Yes. This is <laughs> like, I like puffy, though. Junction. Like That's from Mansfield. But um, they've, uh, it says an official insider has now claimed that Putin uh, will have an operation possibly for cancer. Uh, it will incapacitate him for a short time. I say this is the time to offer treatment on the NHS. Mm. We could really drag this bad boy out. He won't be around <laughs> for months. And then we can fix the wall. If there were one person that you could get to, I mean, like the, uh, you know, the yeah. kind of uh, surgical strike. I suppose the surgical, <laughs> literally, literally surgical. that would be it, wouldn't it? I point? wonder if this is his chance to escape. I think he's feeling threatened, and he wonders if they're getting in, if they're home, homing in yeah. on him. And he's going to go to Siberia with his family and hide under a cave. Maybe he'll go to the same place that Jordan Peterson was put into a medically induced coma in Russia, wasn't he, for a while, and spent six months there, I think. Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And nobody still really quite understands it. He was trying to get over a barbiturate addiction or something. Really? Very strange. Did you not know about that? No, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Peterson, know. who, you know, obviously he yeah. was all like about self-responsibility and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he managed to get himself addicted to barbiturates, went into a really bad health spot. I thought he was going to die. His wife was uh, had cancer and... Um, oh. and uh, yeah, for, for, uh, there is a, there's a missing stage in the, in the process, but he ended up in Russia in a medically induced coma and, and now has returned better. One heck of a stag do. It's strange how much of a, a, an enigma Putin is, though, that we don't even trust that he has cancer. We don't even, we don't oh, even no. believe that about him. We don't yeah. even feel like he's actually human. Well, so I suppose that's probably quite... I mean, we had Reagan had, you know, Alzheimer's for the second, most of the second term, and we didn't yeah. know about that at yeah, the yeah, time, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's a, probably not totally Seem more reachable, right? out of range. Yeah. Uh, Scott, another elderly world leader facing compromised health challenges, but uh, on this occasion, one deserving more of our sympathy. Well, the Queen is going to have a virtual audience, it says in the Daily Mail, with new High Commissioner for St. Lucia, instead of meeting the person in person, because she won't be attending the garden party at Buckingham Palace. No. Um, she, they, they say she's 96, and they're, they're, they're aware that she probably won't be able to stand and move down the line for an hour. Yeah. So Charles is going to read her speech for her. I mean, my father is 92 and I wouldn't want to see him standing and greeting people for an hour. Especially if it's warm. But if it was if it was head of state, I think they could construct something around her. Do you know what I mean? A bit like the toddlers have. That or maybe a chair that would move down. Yeah, where they just have sort of, uh, you know, harnessed around the... <laughs> I think she's worried about, about her own And then you have a, a large skirt <laughs> thrown over that, like a bustle, but, you know, yeah. but with a hovercraft. They could put a swimming pool on her back and have her just float around <laughs> like a starfish. They could do that, but... She could be just... Pushed along like one of those. I think uh, it's the last of her in public, is what they're saying. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, bless her. yeah. Ninety-six. Yeah. Come yeah. on. No, it's extraordinary. It's really wonderful. Well. I do feel sorry for the people who won't get the story of when they met the Queen. Like, when I yeah. zoomed the Queen is not quite as impressive. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so. true, isn't it? Especially if she nods off. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the screen froze or she nodded off. Isn't it? I think yeah, they're afraid, too, if they bow and she bows, she'll just fall over and won't get back up. <laughs> so they give her a chance to maintain her own self-respect. Stephen, one of the more intriguing research MOs I've encountered in some time on this yeah. next story, the worrying results are the headline, but I'm, I'm actually more interested in the method. Well, so, yeah, let's look at the the conclusion first of all. Flying insect numbers dropped by 60% since 2004. And how did they test for the number of flying insects? Measure them somehow? Hmm. No, they looked at number plates to see how many splattings there's been. The splat patterns, yeah. The splat patterns, by the same way, you could measure if there's been a decrease in the number of cyclists, I suppose. But um, the way that they've looked at it is to just measure 
the dirt that's left over. Yeah. They've only got two other surveys done in the same way. So you've got three data points. Mm. Meaningless, really. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, uh, Newton's, I've written it down, what's it called? The, the system for nonlinear equations. You can find an equation that will fit any number of data points. Three is a piece of yes. cake. It's quite possible to make them look like a unicorn or something. Anything through it. So, I remember when I, was, um, when, I, when I was in Australia for a few months, I made money doing the squeegee thing with the windscreens, you know, which was a, a big thing then. But the difference was in Australia, windscreens were absolutely, if you'd driven in from out of town, mm. your windscreen was caked with, you know, three deep with bugs, really. Really hideous bug carcasses, and it did strike me that this was, you know, it was, a, it was, it was obvious enough that it was an entirely different ecosystem. You were one of those annoying people that left at a car. And- I used to do it in the in the supermarkets because you need three or four minutes on these windscreens, yeah, you, and you yeah. would you would approach somebody as they parked and ask them. I didn't leap on them and just clean a perfectly oh, clean windscreen. I just feel bad. For that you. Was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just- my point is, yeah, that <laughs> it, you can, you know, they can accumulate enough bugs to make it worthwhile. But just to ruin this science, and I'm sure yes. they've looked into it. But how do we not just say that people are driving? Yes, because or more carefully. Yeah. Well, oh, bug! <laughs> <laughs> Nearly got that one. <laughs> it might be that cars are the aerodynamics of cars have changed mm. as yeah. well. You know, yeah. true. I mean, recessed. Or maybe bugs are flying higher because they've learned the lesson. Yeah, they bugs are revolving. The bugs yeah. are revolving. Yeah. So many possible errors. <laughs> Scott, I have absolutely no view on this next story whatsoever. Oh, so I, thank you, you. Howard. <laughs> it's such a difficult story. It's in the Telegraph. Apparently, uh, barrister Alison Bailey is suing um, Stonewall for proselytizing. For, for, she said that they're passing around information to corporations who are hiring them for equality measures yeah. about gender identity that's incorrect. And she voiced her opinion in a couple of Twitter tweets, mm. and Stonewall found out about these while they were actually examining the chamber she worked for, and they accused her of being bigoted and transphobic. And she said it's cost her work, mm. so she's going back to Stonewall. She wants not just an apology, but she wants money, because, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's just difficult, too, because Stonewall is saying that the LGBTIQ plus community has a certain definition of gender, and she's saying that that gender and the, the equality they're looking for in terms of gender in a workplace that is already protected in British law. Yeah. And she said there's no reason for them to be approaching this this subject. It's done. We're finished with it. So mm. it's unnecessary what they're doing. And they're actually probably, she says, is they're conning these companies to get money out of them. Well, I've given my view on that on this program many times. Things devolve into a racket pretty quickly yeah, in that regard. Do. But I have no idea on this particular case. Do you have any views? No, I, I mean, I take the, the same angle, really, that we're seeing this story, which is based on the evidence that is being given by the prosecution, effectively. Mm. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to end up being a biased story, whether it's right or not. I'm just po- pointing out that, of course, this telegraph selection of facts yes. will entirely be Well, Will support. They will be yeah. pro-Bailey. Stephen, uh, apparently watching reality TV is bad for you on yet another metric. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel sorry for reality TV in this story. It's linked to obesity. Uh, fueling yeah. obesity, Love Island, Married <laughs> at First Sight, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, apparently have loads of junk food adverts during them. So, is Adverts or the people eating them? On the show. Um, uh, hang on. So it's viewers. Oh, I thought it was adverts. That's a very good thing. No, it must be the adverts because the people are thin. Yeah. Yes. If anything, yeah. the, the, the... But that ad- would be the worst thing because I do sometimes feel the Kardashians, not that I watch it, but these kind of people, or Towie and so on, they yeah. are often seen, they have amazing bodies and then they're seen eating pizzas and the suggestion is this is how you... Do you know what I mean? 
you know what? I, um, Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt's character eats a burger in effectively every scene, mm. yeah. and that just winds me up, because I also eat that many burgers, yeah. and you can tell the difference. You know, yeah. He actually does eat that way, though. I know one of his handlers from Universal Pictures, <laughs> and when they go to pick him up at the hotel room, he's always his boxer shorts, eating a pizza in the daytime. It's just uh, genetic. Some people have genetics that they can get away with it. Yeah. But anyway, what are they going to do about it? Well, nothing other than just mm. moan. I mean, junk food's shown in nearly 90% of the hundreds of reality TV show episodes watched. This is, they looked at it at Nottingham Trent University. Um, I mean, it's a, dem- it's a successful genre. It gets a demographic in that is good to advertise to. And mm. you're going to want to show adverts in that direction. And, and we're a fast and, food nation. And they pay yeah. a lot of money, those fast food ads. Those, those shows are expensive. You know, Kardashians don't come free. Oh. Scott... <laughs> Uh, nervous flyers look away now. This one is a... Uh, I don't know if it's quite as bad again as it appeared at first sight. Well, in the Telegraph, Virgin Atlantic flight aborted midair after boss discovers a pilot had not completed their training. So the there's uh, <laughs> a flight, A330, uh, off to New York from London with 261 passengers on it. And one of the pilots had not finished his proper training. And he didn't identify that until they were about a half hour into flight. See, if I was him, I would have just kept quiet all the way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You either tell them or you don't mention I it. think what happened is, because I watched these air crash investigation shows, yeah. and I think at some point while they're up in the air, they've taken off, all this stuff's happened. Then the yep. captain says, okay, will you check that and look at that? And the guy looked around like, I don't know where I am. What and did, sorry. <laughs> what did you ask me to do? And the pilot said, well, what's your training? He said, I haven't finished it. I just, just I needed a free flight to New let's York. Let's go back. Yeah, let's <laughs> Finally, Stephen, a remarkable escape from what sounds like the very definition of a death trap to finish us off tonight. Yeah, a fisherman survived an incredible underwater battle with a 10-foot crocodile. Uh, he was spearfishing, I guess, if you read this story from the point of view of the fish. See how you like it. Yeah. But um, Joshua Young, apparently it's a popular tourist snorkelling place. Maybe it shouldn't be because it was a crocodile. <laughs> grabbed him, tried to give him the old death roll, but he yeah. had the flippers on, which slowed him down. He then dragged him and the crocodile onto dry land. Ah, uh, the dryland advantage. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, the, he's in a bad it's way. It's not a shark, though. It's a crocodile. It can survive. What? What? Have him by the head. Is that yep. right? First had him by the head. And he, and he managed to get the jaws apart. I mean, that's yeah. extraordinary. That and is, we all know from all the things yeah. about the, the if you've got the to try and powerful. tie them together. Because exactly, holding them together is the easy part, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah you, a child can do that, apparently. Mm. That's but, but don't. Yes. Don't get your kid to do that. Yeah, there's a little baby that disappeared at Disney World in Florida. Yeah. And the parents were on the beach, the fake beach, and they forgot there were all those creatures in there. Oh, my And they goodness. turned around, their baby was gone and never reappeared. But I bet it tasted delicious. It's <laughs> so sweet, <laughs> disgraceful. So you did so well tonight, Scott, <laughs> and with only that time remaining. That's all we have time for. Thank you to my guests, Stephen and Scott. I've been Simon Evans. It's been an absolute pleasure. Tomorrow night, I think you will have Mark Dolan hosting the show. Enjoy your weekend. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. This has been Headliners. Good night. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.